Purdue football news. Welcome to the Golden Black Radio pregame show as we get you set for Saturday's kickoff. Now here's your host, Kyle Charter. The battered Boilermakers head on the road for the first time in the Big Ten season, perhaps in a game that will go a long way toward deciding the Big Ten West. I'm Kyle Charters, Tom Deanhart here as well. We'll bring in Brian Newbert and Alan Carpet for the Gold and Black Radio pregame show, Purdue and Minnesota on Saturday, noon kickoff in the Eastern time zone up there in the uh, the Bank Stadium, whatever it's called these days. Uh, man, Tom, it might be might be easier to list off the guys who can play for Purdue rather than the guys who cannot play for Purdue. Again, it's a lengthy list, including some game-time decisions, including the game-time decision for the uh, the guy that we're all watching, Aiden O'Connell. Yeah, it's going to be an 11 a.m. local time kickoff, so maybe we'll get clarity on uh, Aiden's availability when they come out for warm-ups. Obviously, usually about 90 minutes before kickoff, Kyle, so – um, we'll have to stay tuned, I think. Um, really don't know what to expect, to be honest with you. Uh, talked to the coach this week a couple times. Talked to Brian Brom. If Aiden can't play, I think you'll see obviously a similar setup as last week with Austin Burton starting and Michael Alamo also getting at least one series. Uh, first quarter, second quarter. Depending on how that goes, we'll determine if he continues to play or not. So we're all going to have to sit tight and uh, see what happens under center for Purdue uh, for a, for uh, another day or so. What Purdue really wants to happen with those two quarterbacks is uh, Alamo to come in and throw the ball down the field a little bit yeah. right? to, to give a different look uh, to, in this case, the Minnesota defense. I think the hope was last year the FAU defense. It did not work out for just the one series. That he played, but in an ideal world, those two guys I think would both play if Aiden O'Connell is out, uh, Burton and Alimo, and uh, give the defense a little bit different look and a lot more to think about. Yeah, I mean, um, I think Alimo's probably got the better arm. You're right. He, you know, he played the one series last Saturday night, was one for two for zero yards, ran once for seven yards. I think he was excited. Um, it, it would be kind of fun, Kyle, to see him for an extended stretch. Let him fight through the the, the nerves and uh, and whatnot, and just see what he can do. Um, uh, we didn't get to see that Saturday night, obviously. And then Austin Burton, you know, he's I guess he is what he is. I think the staff did a good job playing his strengths. They rolled him out. They, we saw some speed option early, some quarterback draw. Tried to do things that were in his wheelhouse, but Kyle, um that that downfield passing, it just wasn't there. Uh, the inability to take the top off the defense, a really limited that offense, made it pedestrian. Uh, 166 yards passing for a team that came in averaging over 350 yards passing. Charlie Jones, Kyle, nine catches for 59 yards. He had the catches, but no big plays. The longest pass play, Kyle, was a 28-yarder to running back Devin Mockaby. Yeah, you know, if it was just Aiden O'Connell that we were talking about, maybe that would be one thing, although he certainly, uh, you know, is pretty critical to produce success. But the Boilermakers are uh, also without about five other starters, several other key contributors 
more starters than that, at least, you know, starter slash key reserves. If you go back to the start of training camp, there's just a whole lot of guys there that Purdue is down. And it is hard to win football games when you are missing that many key components. I mean, you're talking about your, your best playmaking defensive player and Jalen Grant. You're talking about one of your starting cornerbacks and, and Reese Taylor. You're talking about your right tackle and, and Cam Craig. You're talking about a starting wide receiver and Brock Thompson, who is expected to be your number one. And I think if he was healthy, he would definitely be your number two now. Your number one running back in King Daru. It's it's a lot for a team to overcome. And I think, you know, as you sort of look back to last week, you have to give Purdue some credit for overcoming all of that thing, all of those things. But you have to do so also knowing that as the level of competition increases, which it does this week, those things become even more difficult to overcome. Oh, yeah. I mean, the level of competition obviously gets ratcheted way up um, this week, going from FAU to Minnesota, one of the hotter teams, not just in the Big Ten, but in the nation. And, um, yeah, and to produce playing a little shorthanded. Now, Reese Taylor is going to be a game-time decision, so I guess there's still hope that maybe he's going to get on the field for a secondary, Kyle, that's really being pushed to the limit. Last week, all four starters in the back end played every defensive snap. Um, not a lot of depth there. They really need Reese Taylor to help out. Uh, we'll see if he gets on the field. I think we could see more Bryce Hampton, according to Jeff Brom. He didn't play a snap last week, Kyle. Remember, Bryce is the guy who gave up that game-winning touchdown pass to Syracuse. They really need something out of him. Brandon Calloway, a redshirt freshman cornerback. I think we may see some of him as well. They got to get some relief to those guys on the back end. You talked about Cam Craig up front, the starting right tackle. You know, expect Daniel Johnson to start in that spot once again. I think they're I think they're satisfied with Daniel Johnson, Kyle, the Kent State transfer. I think he can do a good job. Just the absence of Cam Craig just takes one quality player uh, depth wise off your off your chart if the offensive line and Kyle. You know, Coach Brom said Cam Craig is going to be out for a an extended period. And I, I'm not hearing good things that this could be something that really threatens his career is back. So keep that on your radar. Brock Thompson to Kyle out for an extended period. Um, I'm hearing maybe two to four weeks. He's got a knee issue that he's continuing to deal with. So uh, we're not going to see those two guys for quite some while. Maybe Cam Craig for a real long while, if ever. And, uh, yeah, again, you talked about Jalen Graham, too. My goodness, this would be game four without Jalen Graham, your best defensive player. And you certainly could have used him going against this physical Minnesota offense that also can throw with Tanner Morgan. Having uh, had a little bit of a back issue here over the last week, I uh, can perfectly understand uh, to, to a lesser extent even, but I cannot even fathom the idea of going out there and having somebody hit me when my back is hurting like it is, I would be laying there for a month on the turf at Ross Aid before somebody peeled me up off the ground. Uh, Tom, this Minnesota team is is good. The numbers are really good uh, when you look at the Gophers. I'm not sure that uh, PJ Fleck and company are quite to that level. They really, you know, played three uh, pretty mediocre, and that might be a nice way of putting it. Teams in the non-conference, and then a Michigan State team that although was ranked 11th uh, a, a week before they played, not sure was that good. Uh, not sure it's really any good 
just to begin with, especially on the defensive side and the secondary. However, Minnesota does a whole lot of things well. They do, you know, uh, a lot well on both sides of the ball. They're very balanced offensively. They have good players, veteran quarterback. Uh, they do a lot that's going to put some pressure on Purdue. Oh, my goodness. And, again, um, everything we say about Minnesota, you always have to preface. But, well, they haven't played anybody of a real note as far as the uh, skill level goes yet, as far as quality of opposition. Still, if you go in East Lansing like they did last weekend, Kyle, and totally demolish the Michigan State Spartans 34-7, it, it's a pretty impressive feat. I don't care how much Michigan State is struggling. So the defensive stats for the Minnesota Gophers are off the wall if you look at them. They're just crazy good. Um, I think the first-team defense has only given up three points in four games. And offensively, we're, we're all well familiar with Tanner Morgan and Muhammad Ibrahim, the running back as well. So always a big physical team up front, too. They can pound you with a huge offensive line. Kyle, it's going to be homecoming up there. It's going to be a stripe out. It's going to be a crazy atmosphere. And, uh, a team again, a team with a lot of momentum. And it's going to be a tall task for uh, for, for, for Purdue to get out of there with a W against a gopher team with, again, a lot of mojo playing in front of what should be a very raucous crowd up there at Huntington Bank Stadium. All right, let's uh, take a break. We'll come back with a weather forecast for the game up there in Minneapolis. Talk to Brian Newbert a little bit later to get his perspective on the game and Alan Karpik as well for a tour around the Big Ten. That and much more coming up on the Golden Black Radio pregame show. Hello from News 18. I'm Storm Team 18 meteorologist David Seipel. The Boilermakers are taking on Minnesota tomorrow with a kickoff time around noon. The weather looks fairly pleasant if you take the trip up to Minneapolis for the game. Morning temperatures will be around 55 around 7 o'clock in the morning. By kickoff, temperatures will be around 65 with east-southeast winds, 5 to 10 miles per hour with partly sunny skies. Throughout the game, winds will continue to be from the east up to 10 miles per hour. High temperatures will reach up into the upper 60s to near 70 by the end of the game. Temperatures will then drop off later that evening into the lower 60s for the drive home. Overall, the weather looks fantastic for some Boilermaker football tomorrow. From News 18, I'm Storm Team 18 meteorologist David Seipel. Boiler up, hammer down. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. Heading to see the Boilermakers take on the Wisconsin Badgers on October 22nd? Sign up to win four tickets and an overnight stay at Sand Valley, a Midwest resort located just an hour and a half from Madison. Complimentary shuttle to the game is included. Visit sandvalleypursuits.com to enter. It's time to break it down as we go in-depth about Purdue's opponent. Hey, really pleased to be joined by Mike Grimm, the voice of the Minnesota Golden Gophers. I know Mike for a long time. Always enjoy catching up with them. And, um, Big game between the Purdue Boilermakers and Minnesota Golden Gophers this Saturday. Uh, and, uh, Mike, uh, we have you on just to kind of give us a quick quick rundown on Minnesota. I always like to start with the offensive side of the ball, sort of give our listeners an idea of what to expect from the Golden Gopher offense on Saturday. 
Well, they have been really efficient, Tom, uh, here in the through the first four games. They're amongst the top handful of teams in the country in just about every major statistical category. Now, they've not played, you know, a murderer's row of schedule, although last week I don't care, you know, how good Michigan State ends up being. You go on the road in the Big Ten and put up 33 first downs and not punt once. Um, that's a pretty impressive, efficient effort. The only possessions they had that ended up not with scores were a kneel down at halftime, a kneel down to win the game, and then Muhammad Ibrahim had a rare fumble uh, that ended a drive in the red zone. So outside of that, they scored every possession, and um, so that's pretty efficient. So they've been real good. Um, they have been balanced in the sense that, and I think, frankly, this is what caught Michigan State maybe a little off guard. They've been balanced in the sense that they've been proficient at running and passing, but because of the score in those first handful of games they've run the ball a lot they have a new offensive coordinator who's old again he was the offensive coordinator when pj first got here through that 2019 season where they went 11 and 2 and then he left went to penn state then to west virginia the gophers had some rough offensive years in between they brought uh, kirk Sharaka back he and tanner morgan are reunited morgan looks like a new guy he's as comfortable as we've ever seen him and all of a sudden the gophers are proficient in, in again throwing the football um, they've run it a lot lot but um some of that's because of the scores have dictated you're not going to throw in a blowout and um i think uh, they were pretty efficient last week against uh, against michigan state to the point that tanner morgan was named the offensive player of the week in the league so um i think their hope is they want they say the the coaches talk about tom they want to be balanced and that doesn't necessarily mean hey we want to throw for 200 and run for 200 it means that if the defense is going to stack the box then we're going to throw the football to win and if the defense plays a nickel and says, all right, try to run, then they're going to hand the ball off to win or do a combination of those things. They want to be proficient in both. It doesn't necessarily mean, you know, 50-50 on each side. And so far, they've been proficient in both. Okay, Mike, give us an idea of, of that Minnesota defense, what they like to do and what uh, Purdue fans can expect from that side of the ball. Yeah, it's much similar. They're, they're amongst the nation's leaders in most of the major defensive statistics. Um, they have not been on the field much at one point early in the season, again, against some weaker competition. They had New Mexico State and Western Illinois in the first two games. Those two programs are both in major rebuilds under first-year head coaches. And uh, and when I say major rebuilds, I, you know they, they are going to have major rebuilds. So the Gophers were able to feast on that. At one point, they had eight straight three and outs. Uh, that they forced. So in, I believe it was the Western Illinois game. They were all, no, it was a New Mexico state game. They were only, only on the field, 33 plays uh, defensively. Um, so it hasn't been a big a test in terms of, uh, uh, of number of plays. There's been a couple of times that they've been uh, pressed the start of the drive, the start of the second half at Michigan state last week. Uh, they got into about the 10 yard line and then the Gophers forced a fumble and when you look at this starting defense, Tom, this is an interesting uh, nugget. Uh, Minnesota, through four games, has only allowed 24 points, three touchdowns and a field goal. All three of those touchdowns have come in the fourth quarter against uh, the reserves that have been in to get some experience in a low-leverage situation. So the starting defense through four games has allowed three points, which is pretty impressive up to this point. Great start for the Gophers, Mike. It's going to be a tall task for Purdue to win up there. They've never won in Huntington Bank. Stadium 0-6 all-time in that venue. So give us a sense on how you see this game unfolding on Saturday. We kick off 11 a.m. local time. Uh, should be a good atmosphere. I understand it's homecoming, too, I think. 
It is homecoming. You're right. And, you know, it's hard to tell. I mean, uh, I think this will certainly be Minnesota's best test up to this point. Purdue, I still think, despite, you know, that opening loss to Penn State in the game in which they, you know, it was right there for the taking, that Purdue can still be a factor in this Big Ten West. Anyone that doesn't think that, I don't think, has paid attention. They uh, definitely can move the football. They've had an improved defense the last handful of years. And um, I would guess that the Boilers are going to want to come in here and and just exactly like you said, say, hey, we've had enough. We're going to we're going to win a game here. We're going to uh, knock off the Gophers in the Twin Cities. And so I, I think this is going to be a close game. I think it'll be a real good game. Uh, I know the Gophers are favored, but anyone who just thinks that this, you know, look, n- n- nothing in the Big Ten is going to be easy. And, uh, you know, Purdue, something may depend on the quarterback. And you may ha- you obviously know more or may have more info on on whether, uh, you know, Aiden's going to be able to play or not. Uh, obviously, he's the best returning quarterback in the West Division. So that could be a factor. But um, I think we're in for a good game. I think it's going to probably uh, be decided in the fourth quarter. Will be entertaining, I, I believe so, and a good challenge for each of these programs as we jump into the month of October already. Again, Mike Grimm, voice of uh, the Minnesota Golden Gopher football team. Thank you very much, Mike, for dropping some gopher knowledge on us. You got it. Always enjoy it, Tom. Thank you. Good to chat. At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill. Industrial and classic, the restaurant is built like a steakhouse but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event at the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. East End Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. Broadcasting from Golden Black World Headquarters, north of Purdue's campus, this is the Golden Black Radio Pregame Show. Let's bring in Brian Newbert to get his perspective on the Boilermakers taking on Minnesota this weekend. Maryland then next weekend, Brian, in these back-to-back road games um, that, man, I, I think we thought these two games had a possibility of being uh, difficult ones for Purdue before the season started. I, I think, you know, as we sit here right now on the eve of the first of the two road games, you look at it even with a, a, a little bit different perspective and know the challenge ahead here for Purdue and that if Purdue cannot at least split and, and you know, make one of these two games a, a road upset, um, this season has a chance to turn sideways a little bit um, and, and maybe feel similar to 2019 when Purdue had a, a whole bunch of injuries that sort of made that year uh, not what it could have been. But, man, it's going to be a, a big couple of games here for the Boilermakers to see if they can rise up over the injuries and, and get something done. Yeah, Purdue lost a couple of games that should have won, could have won, should have won, whatever, however you want to term it, and then didn't look very good against FAU. Uh, 
in victory, but I don't think you want to really overreact to the moment. I think a lot of what Purdue has struggled with um, has been kind of laid bare here lately. And I think is kind of what would be the biggest cause for concern against Minnesota, which is a program that has sort of had Purdue's number here the last couple of years. Uh, part of that is style of play. Uh, I don't know if Purdue necessarily matches up terribly well with how Minnesota plays. Uh, I think Minnesota's done a great job too with uh, their style and being disciplined in it and being, you know, pretty precise with it and all of that stuff. Um, you know, for as much time as we're talking about Aiden O'Connell here, um, Aiden O'Connell is only part of the story about this game. Purdue has to show that they're capable of playing, you know, big 10 West football here, uh, you know, cause they've got Wisconsin coming up. They were going to have Iowa. Eventually they produce had a lot of success against Iowa uh, over the years. Um, but Minnesota has sort of become like Wisconsin light, if not Wisconsin's peer here uh, in the big 10 West, because they play really physical. They run the football, they play decent defense. They don't beat themselves. They control the ball. They control the clock. Um, and that's the sort of thing that, you know, Purdue has, has kind of struggled with outside of the lightning delay game back in 2017, 27, eight, that was 2017, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. Whatever. Um, they've, they've really struggled with Minnesota. Obviously they had a beat a couple of years ago up at Minnesota. Uh, the circumstances of that game have been well-documented. Um, but uh, this is going to be a real challenge for Purdue because they're going to have to probably play different personnel on defense because they're going to have to have more bigger bodies in the box. And you sort of ask yourself, is that personnel, does that play to Purdue strengths? And when you're sitting here too, when Purdue hasn't been great on defense here, um, the last time out, and then prior to that, they haven't been able to be really good on defense for 60 minutes. Uh, it just, it, it, it raises a lot of questions about how, I guess, sort of Big Ten ready Purdue is. If we've learned anything, though, during the Jeff Brom era, it's a couple of things. Purdue has lost some games at times that we did not anticipate that Purdue would lose. Uh, on the other hand, Purdue has won some games at times that we did not anticipate that Purdue would win. So there have been instances where, you know, Purdue has been up against the wall a little bit and Jeff Brom has been able to game plan around some things and found some answers. I think maybe this is a, a big challenge, perhaps with all the injuries that Purdue has. But, you know, we've seen Purdue come out and, and do some things at times uh, to surprise us. And, and maybe that happens on Saturday. Purdue gets a little bit, uh, I think you wrote earlier this week, maybe, you know, maybe Purdue needs to go back to some some alternative creativity gadgets yeah. on offense to, to try to generate something unexpected offensively. And, you know, maybe uh, with Purdue in this situation like this, uh, Jeff Brown does get a little bit creative and, and we see something outside the box uh, on Saturday and it helps Purdue stay into the game and then find a way to win in the end. Well, that's what's cool about college football is that every every game is every weekend is almost like a season unto itself. I mean, things yeah. can unfold completely counter to what you might expect based on results prior, uh, based on history, you know, kind of things like that. And uh, that's why I said at the top of this thing that, you know, you don't always want to overreact to the moment because because the moment's over, um, you know, and it's kind of a 
kind of a new day every time you take the field, not to be too hokey about this point. But yeah, to your point about my point, um, I just think <laughs> quoting, you know, Purdue, quoting you, quoting me, quoting you. Purdue, take out the Indiana State game. I think Purdue's averaging 11 first half points. Yeah. And, you know, for an offensive program that, that's built to make big plays, put a lot of points on the board and dictate the terms of play that way, that doesn't cut it. You know, you have to, when you score your points, I think matters and how games unfold. And if Purdue could just get on the scoreboard more, steal a touchdown or two, the way they used to back in 2017 and 2018 with some sort of play you'd never seen before uh, here and there. If you just, you know, don't have the, you know, the, the fourth down failure against Syracuse, or if you don't have the, um, you know, the, the, the red zone, uh, settling for field goals here and there or missing field goals as has been the case here lately if you just get on the board a little bit more early and maybe you make the de- make the opposing offense have to think about things a little bit maybe get them a little bit out of what they want to do I think that sort of stuff matters even more now that's not Purdue's not been able to do that here you know against Penn State against Syracuse um I think it matters even more now because now you have these opponents coming up where they just want to run the ball. They want to grind you down. And I think there's going to be some questions here about how well suited Purdue is to handle that kind of thing. But, you know, it's still a game that can be, can be decided or severely influenced by a big play here and there, a turnover here and there. uh, And Purdue has gotten some turnovers this season. Mm -hmm. Um, so anything can happen. Uh, Purdue's just got to be better offensively, and they have to prove that they can, you know, stack up from a defensive perspective against this style of offense. Thanks, Brian. Yep. Let's take a break. We'll come back with more. This is Golden Black Radio. Eat pizza and support a Boilermaker student-athlete. Try the Aiden's Air Raid at AZ Pizza this September to support Aiden O'Connell and the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Aiden even stole one out of the AZ playbook with the addition of Grippo's Potato Chips on top of his signature creation. Visit azippizza.com. That's A-Z-Z-I-P-P-I-Z-Z-A dot com. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent We'll walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-587-3185 to talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-587-3185. What else is going on around the league? Let's take a look. It's the Big Ten Roundup. Let's bring in Alan Carpick and talk a little bit of Big Ten football, five games around the Big Ten outside of the one in Minneapolis that we will be looking at uh, this week. And several good ones uh, on the slate this weekend. All Saturday starts across the league. Alan, let's start off with number four, Michigan, playing at Iowa. The Wolverines undefeated, 4-0, 1-0 in the Big Ten, Iowa. Man, it just keeps uh, sort of chugging along here 
uh, with a defense that outscores its own offense, it seems. Uh, 3-1, and 1-0 in the Big Ten. Michigan is favored by uh, just a little more than 10 points, so double digits here. I don't know. This is a, a weird one. I, I think Michigan goes in there to Iowa City and wins this game. But if the Hawkeyes can really muddy it up, you never know with Iowa at home. Yeah, Kyle, I always try to bring weather into this show. And if the hurricane, and I'm not making light of the hurricane, if the hurricane was going to descend over Iowa City, and you, now I know they're on turf, and you, like you said, muddy that game up, uh, if they could slow Michigan down enough. I just don't know if Iowa can score. Michigan can run, obviously runs the football. Blake Corn is probably as hot a running back as there is in the country. Um, I know Iowa scored a whopping 27 points in the last two games, but, you know, who they played. So, uh, though I, they impressed me with the win over Rutgers, but I think Michigan will take care of business in a slugfest. It'll be a 20-12 a to 12 type game in my view. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, maybe Iowa covers, but Michigan uh, gets the victory. The intriguing game to me uh, is is in Madison, uh, noon kickoff on Saturday. Uh, the Badgers hosting the Illinois Fighting Illini. Wisconsin just two and two. Uh, Illinois comes in three and one. Uh, the Badgers favored by a touchdown in this game. I think if you probably were to look back at the line uh, in the preseason, a projected line for this game, it probably was Wisconsin minus 24, something like that, I would imagine. <laughs> but Illinois runs the football. It plays a little bit of defense. Brett Bielema will be going back up to Madison. I mean, I, I you know, this is a weird game. And I think if you're Wisconsin, you have got to be on high alert. For this one well i how would you much better would you feel about illinois had they just beaten indiana as it as they should have and yeah. uh that uh certainly is that yeah i mean chase brown's one of the best running backs in the country at least in terms of statistically tommy devito's a guy that's been serviceable uh, i don't know what to make about wisconsin they seem to figure out stuff i know they've had some injuries but and the whole bielema factor i guess you, it's whether you're buying or selling whether illinois is really getting better and right now it kind of looks that way i think this game will be a litmus test of how far bielema's program's gone all right there are two terrible games in the big 10 uh on saturday let's let's talk about the the potentially less terrible one i guess i don't know rutgers is playing <laughs> iowa state Northwestern is playing Penn State. Both of those are 3.30 kicks. Uh, Wildcats uh, at the Nittany Lions, the 11th ranked now Penn State Nittany Lions, uh, who are undefeated 4-0, 1-0 in the Big Ten. Northwestern's not very good. Shockingly bad, in my opinion. Um, because you thought I thought that if, if Northwestern was to be bad this year, it would be because of quarterback play. But the quarterback play has been okay They've just been bad everywhere yeah. else. Yeah, it's it's that's a hard one because I, I we talk about this seems like every week. I'm a big big believer in what Pat Fitzgerald brings to the table, but uh, they're not bringing it. To, they're not bringing enough of it to the table right now. I am not a while. I guess I I keep saying this week in week out about Penn State, I and mean, maybe I need to change my ways. I know we're not going to find out about the Nittany Lions until they play Ohio State and Michigan. I get that. Uh, I think their game against Michigan's on that. 15th of October but uh yeah it's a it's a bad game Penn State will will, will should win easily and uh move on but I'm still not sure I think that Penn State's the 11th ranked team in the country at 330 Michigan State plays uh at Maryland so the Terps three and one uh they lost last week to Michigan though 
I think that's a game that you look at and say, hey, uh, you know, the Terps presented themselves pretty well in that game, and they're an eight-point favorite at home against the Michigan State team that appears to not be as good as it once was, especially on the defensive side of things. Uh, this is an interesting game from a Purdue perspective because Purdue gets the Terps, of course, next week. And if I have said, uh, even before things sort of went a little bit sideways with injuries and stuff here for the Boilermakers, that to me was the game that I, I was circling as a, a, a danger game for Purdue. And it might be a danger game for Purdue coming up in a week. I, I like the Terps. I think they can throw the ball around the yard and they can score. And that means they can win some football games. Yeah, impressive. They also took Michigan. I, I understand they scored within the last minute to cut it to to a touchdown, but they 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 slugged it out with Michigan last week. That was a competitive game. They got in the trenches with them a little bit. Um, I don't know what's up with Michigan State, but they obviously have got some severe issues. They they were really shut out last week, to be honest, uh, by Minnesota. Now again, we're going to find out more about Minnesota when they play Purdue, but when it plays Purdue, but. Uh, yeah, I think Maryland gets through this uh, because Maryland's flexible enough offensively. And, yeah, I think Purdue will be an underdog next week uh, when it heads to College Park, uh, barring anything unforeseen, just because uh, Maryland's good enough to beat some people. And the one primetime game in the Big Ten, uh, 7.30 kickoff in Lincoln, Indiana, traveling over <laughs> uh, to play the Cornhuskers. This game has gotten a lot of social media buzz because of the assistant coach from years ago that went on a podcast and called Tom Allen a clown or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I, wasn't really, I was trying not to follow it all that much. But how did this game uh, between Indiana and Nebraska become such a big thing? Of course, it did uh, a few years ago when Scott Frost mentioned to alumni or something that he wished he could play Indiana every year. And then and then the Hoosiers uh, went over there and, and, and beat them. This is a, an interesting game because both teams – feel like they should definitely like just have an easy time and win. Right. I mean, Indiana, if it wants to actually feel like last year was the anomaly, then it probably needs to go to Lincoln and get the victory. And Nebraska feels like it probably should never lose to Indiana. Uh, the Cornhuskers are favored by five points, but man, I, I don't really know what to expect when this game kicks off on Saturday night. Yeah, I don't know if a bye week helped Nebraska and all this. It's just craziness over there. It is dry, it is a high drama game, I guess, because because of that. And uh, Tom Allen is goofy, but yeah, he, he's done some good things as a, as a football coach there. You know, I kind of go back to Indiana. I just don't know how good Indiana really is, uh, and and yet who knows what frame of mind Nebraska is when they when they tee that one up. Uh, I'll be curious. I'll watch that game just to see does everybody show up. I mean, I'm still amazed that Nebraska fans show up in the numbers that they show. Uh, but I think Nebraska will beat Indiana. I do, I'm not convinced that the Hoosiers are good enough to to go into Nebraska and win that game. But uh, uh, and there and there are no ties in college football, so <laughs> somebody's going to win it when it's done. All right, that is the Big Ten roundup. Let's go back in time with a historical look. Here's Alan Karthik. All right, Al, let's take a historical view at Purdue and Minnesota. Those two teams will square up in Minneapolis at uh, noon Eastern time, 11 local there in the Twin Cities. Uh, it's not been a good place for Purdue uh, recently. Purdue has not won uh, at Minnesota in the new stadium. The Boilermakers' last win there 
anywhere was in 2007. They've not won outdoors in Minneapolis since the Nixon administration. <laughs> um, it's not been a good place for the Boilermakers, to say the least. Yeah, I remember 1972, the last time they won outdoors, and and two very good Purdue teams in 1978 and 80, I believe. No, no, no 19, 1980 went up, 79, I should say. I'm getting in between. Have gone up there and lost. And obviously, more recently, yes, it's been been challenging. You tweeted about Taylor Richards and how Purdue had one in the bag in, in the Daryl Hazel era and let one get away. There have been also some pretty lopsided games, obviously, Jeff Brom's freeze out game, the 41, 41 to 10 blowout uh, when Purdue had a lot to play for in 2018 uh, brings it. But it's not going to be that temperature up there. Uh, Purdue has, has not beaten a ranked Minnesota team, not since the Nixon administration, but since the Eisenhower administration. And, uh, and that, of course, going back to 1960 when the Gophers did, they beat the Gophers, and yet the Gophers still won a share of the national championship. Explain that. So, yeah, it's 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 been a difficult place for Purdue of late. Joe Tiller had a number of wins up there and some crazy, crazy games. But uh, Jeff Brom has not, and, and I'm sure he'd like to turn that around. Yeah, I brought up the Taylor Richards thing during <laughs> Purdue's loss at Syracuse because, uh, as, as we might remember, Richards committed a a late hit or a personal foul or something out on of the sideline. Yes, personal out foul. of bounds on, in that game. Yeah. The game was over, and it was so reminiscent of of the the plays during the Syracuse game when the game was over. <laughs> yeah, and and I think it's because we've just tried to block out the the uh, Daryl Hazel era that we don't we can't even think about that kind of But that was a, that was a big loss uh, uh, certainly for that team because you had a game that you could have won there and it would have been a big win for Daryl Hazel. It wouldn't have changed probably the outcome of that uh, regime, but it was certainly a disappointing one. You know, it has been a tough place for Purdue to play. It's a, and uh, they've had games up there that have been very very competitive. Certainly the game game uh in it in covid Payne durham still talking about the the uh call in, in, of offensive pass interference or purdue would have gotten out of that game in all likelihood alive but uh, um purdue needs to change the narrative it hasn't been good up in minneapolis of late not that we need to get too deep into the daryl hazel arrow but that was the one moment in time the one very brief moment in time where you thought Purdue might have a slight pulse. That's a program. Yeah, exactly. Because exactly. that's the game also that Austin Appleby didn't pick up the the first down, right, on the fourth right. and a foot. And that yep. also ended, ended that game. And uh, pretty much after that, it was all it was all over. That that faint pulse that Purdue had uh, was gone. <laughs> it yep. was it was it was brief gone and did not come back no. uh, and you have to give Jeff Brom credit that he at least brought the pulse back has brought the pulse back and interest yeah. in Purdue obviously has been competitive over the last years but they're going to have to find that competitive nature if they're going to pull pull off uh, what would be a good size upset uh, on Saturday uh, at noon 11 o'clock in Minneapolis thanks Al all right thanks Kyle that's a historical view at Purdue and Minnesota we'll take a break back with more this is Golden Black Radio Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three-stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at twdesignbuild.com. 
AZ Pizza is teaming up with Aiden O'Connell on the Aiden's Air Raid Pizza all September long. Aiden likes his AZIP loaded with barbecue, pulled pork, peppers, and Grippo's potato chips. AZIP is owned by former walk-on football player Brad Niemeyer with locations in Lafayette, Evansville, Indianapolis, and more. Check it out at azippizza.com. A-Z-Z-I-P-P-I-Z-Z-A.com. Broadcasting from Golden Black World Headquarters, north of Purdue's campus, this is the Golden Black Radio Pregame Show. Tom Dean Hart with Kyle Charters talking a little bit of matchups for the game on Saturday. More the makers against the Golden Gophers. This has been a close series recently, although in the favor of uh, the fight in P.J. Flex, each of the last three games has been decided by a possession or less. Uh, for Purdue to keep it close in this one, it feels to me a couple things. Let's let's uh, let's assume here for a moment that Aiden O'Connell does not go, and I'm I, I'm basing that on nothing other than uh, feeling like Purdue's had some bad luck here recently. Uh, so if Austin Burton does get the start and 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 is under center, Purdue's got to do something else, right? It feels like to get the ball down the field because Minnesota is just absolutely going to load up the box and force Purdue to try to throw the ball yeah. over the top a little bit. I mean, if, if I was Minnesota, I would, I'd play nine guys in the box, go man everywhere else and, and force Austin Burton to show that he's going to be able to toss the ball down the field. Right. I mean, it seems like Purdue has got to find a way to counter punch against that. Yeah, maybe that defense up, Kyle, if they do that with a short passing game. We saw some of that last Saturday night in Rossley Stadium. Austin Burton sort of working the fringes, edges, working the fringes of the of the FAU defense. There were some short passes. Get the ball out quick into space to guys like Tyrone Tracy, even Devin Mockaby, Kyle. We saw him sort of step up as a pass catcher last week, Charlie Jones, anybody, just a quick slip screens um, just to get the ball out to, uh, away from the teeth of that Minnesota defense if it is all packed in there. So I'm sure Jeff Brom is well aware of how Minnesota is probably going to try to defend his offense, and he's going to have some things up his sleeve to hopefully counter that. And, uh, heck, you know what, just that Austin Burton let it rip too. Um, he's, he's got a nice arm. He's got experience. He's got some deep threats. And you know Purdue's still going to take his shots downfield. Uh, and, again, you have to do that if Minnesota's daring you to, right? It is possible that he could make a good jump from week one to, to week two. And I, it's not as if he played poorly. It's just I think that Purdue played conservatively with Burton in that first game. Jeff Brown might be more willing in game two with him to open it up a little bit and, and toss the ball down the field. He might have to. I mean, you know, risk a turnover here or there to try to get the ball down the field and loosen up that defense for Minnesota. Because I think if Purdue doesn't, it's going to have a real difficult time moving the football. Yeah, you've got to. You know, you have really nothing to lose, right, Kyle? You're a 12-and-a-half-point underdog or so. And like you said, um, you have to maybe assume some uh, level of, of, of improvement from Austin Burton from, from, again, start one to start two if he is indeed the guy that goes on Saturday. It's going to be more confident too, right? And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of nerves when you go on the road, but sometimes going on the road is good. You know, you got that us versus them mentality and uh, you can really focus in. Uh, 
So uh, again, uh, just a lot of intangibles still that we don't know about with him going on the road for the first time and maybe starting. Um, but again, uh, you, you can't be conservative if you're Purdue. There's no way you're going to beat this Minnesota team by playing it close to the vest. So I suspect if Burton is the guy, like I said earlier, I think Brom and company are going to have to take Maybe Austin's, uh, you know, taking that next level in his development in this 2022 season. For Purdue defensively, it's going to do something similar, I would imagine, to what it has done in the first four games, and that's try to load up to, to stop the run. That will be difficult against uh, a Minnesota team that I think is number two in the country. Again, you have to couch that by saying, you know, and play a whole lot for the first three weeks. Still, <laughs> uh, they can run the football a little bit. They've had a really good balance with Tanner Morgan, and that RPO game for the Gophers has proven to be a difficulty over the last few years for the Boilermakers, but Purdue's going to try and stop the run, maybe force Tanner Morgan to do some things that he does not want to have to do. And, you know, if Purdue can can get a turnover or two again in this game, uh, then that, you know, maybe evens things up a little bit. I mean, there are avenues for Purdue to get a victory with a more conservative offense and a really good defense, and that might have to be, uh, even though it's perhaps a little bit atypical of a Jeff Braun team, that might have to be the formula that Purdue goes with on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to probably at least generate a couple of turnovers, right? And probably if they turn over free, if you're a Purdue, that, that's that's box number one you have to check. I think box number two you have to check is you're going to have to score on a big play or two. Um, maybe you do hit a long pass for 50 or 60 yards for a touchdown. Maybe you get a kick return for a score. Maybe you get a pick six. But there, there's no way I think you're going to be able to win this game hoping you can execute 10, 11, 12 play drives over and over again uh, to, to get your touchdown. So those are a couple big things I think Purdue's going to need to do if they want to try to win the game. And again, trying to defend that go for offense, Kyle, I still think you know it's, they can do both things well, but you still have to try to take away the run or at least slow it down if you're Purdue. You can't let Ibrahim run wild. Kyle, if he's running downhill all day, it's going to be a long day for Purdue. Uh, you still have to take your chances with Tanner Morgan throwing the football and hope, hoping maybe that he, he makes some mistakes or you can get them in some negative down and distance situations where you can get some big plays yourself. So it's a, it's a tough task for Ron English and that defensive staff to try to slow that gopher offense down. Prediction time, Tom. Who you got? I got gophers 38. Boilermakers 24. I think the Gophers cover. I just, you know, with or without Aiden O'Connell, this was going to be a tough, uh, a tough win for Purdue. Again, not sure. We all, we're all not sure if he's going to play. I'm, I'm guessing we're probably not going to see him. And, and it's going to be tough for the Boilermakers to hang in this one. I, I think the homecoming crowd, the momentum Minnesota's got, the talent they've got, the issues Purdue's dealing with, with its personnel. You add all that up together, Kyle, I, th I think the Gophers find a way to win this one with, with some relative ease. Yeah, with no inside information at all, unfortunately, I, I my feel is that Aiden O'Connell will not go. I'll base this prediction a little bit then on that, though even with him out there with the other injury situations that the Boilermakers have, I'm not sure, uh, even though he makes a difference in the final score, I'm not sure he makes enough of a difference in the final outcome. I've got a very similar uh, score to you, uh, 34 to 21, Minnesota uh, barely covers, but gets the win. Uh, and the Gophers show themselves to be the team to beat 
in the Big Ten West. I just think that there's too much here going against Purdue with the injury situation and with trying to sort of scramble to find things that work offensively with a, uh, a different quarterback. Just seems like a lot to me to try to figure out. Coming off a game that, yes, Purdue won, but again, it did a lot of things that it had been doing in the in the losses. Um, Got to play too clean a game. I think the margin of error is just too small for the Boilermakers, and Minnesota pulls out uh, a victory on Saturday. All right, Tommy, thank you. Take care, my friend. Be good. All right, that'll do it for the podcast for this week. If you do enjoy our podcast, uh, despite our predictions, maybe, uh, give us five stars, uh, however it is that you listen to the podcast, and leave us a comment as well. Uh, thanks to our sponsors also. And for Tom Deanhart, Brian Newbert, and Alan Carpick, I'm Kyle Charters. Thanks for listening. This is Golden Black Radio.